Good evening, everyone. Thank you for being here to honor my dad's life and work. So when Rhea was planning this thing, she asked me to help out with a tribute of a certain flavor. Just remember, I'm not a professional. No, 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 son. No. Don't lecture me, you fucking can opener. Mace, you better fire it up, dude. Shut your mouth. You're not God or my father or my boy. Drive your fucking Wally Bird. They laugh in New York and they they laugh in San Francisco, but they will not be laughing when the mouth of hell opens up and sucks. The whole world is in the power of the evil one, the devil. And the media that he uses to control the world is television. I'm your host, Anthony Mays, and I'm joined by Jake Hoy and Eden Liu. This week, we're researching the cure for Caucasian rich brain with Succession Episode 3, The Disruption. I'm going to dive right into this cold open. Kendall's at a fancy lunch with a reporter named Tanya. It's a shit show over there, apparently. Advertisers bailing, dad's out of it. Jerry Kelman in charge? Jerry's great. I actually love Jerry, but she's a time server who's way out of her depth. Kendall's in contact with the DOJ about immunity. Does not look good for them. All that's on background. A lot of moving parts. But let's dive in. He's ready to be recorded. Open the kimono. Will this be in the piece? Kendall Roy ordered a shaved fennel salad and picked at it, uh, inquisitively. Tana notices that he's concerned about how he'll come across. I come from a world of image. That's the family business. Did you see the Sophia Wobie monologue? Edda Pussy? Tana does not know how to respond to that. It's funny, right? But it doesn't hurt now because, uh, because I am who I am. He wants to physically get in there and plant a flag inside his family's business. Tana asks about his siblings. Has he managed to stay close with them? Kendall starts eating because the last thing we saw was him eviscerating them on their way out the door. You know, sure. Absolutely. There are issues, but, uh, essentially, yeah. I'm just really happy in my headspace, and I hope they're happy in theirs. Love this cold open. Set a perfect tone Mm -hmm. for the episode, Mm. which is exposing the chamber drama of this season so far to the masses through the media. Lots of good signaling in this open of what's to come in this episode. I thought it was great. Should also mention that after the first two episodes, we finally have a time jump, a small one, but enough to get Kendall out of Rava's living room. Yes. Finally a time jump, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been at least week, a week. Two weeks. Something like yeah, that. Yeah, right. <laughs> or Rava. Not too far, but it was like, all right, now we're moving. And normally I try to break these episodes up into plot lines, but this one was so interconnected it's hard to do so, so we'll be jumping around. All right. At Waystar HQ, Shiv is reading Kendall's article on her phone. Roman calls her El Presidente and immediately references the article. How's your headspace? You happy in it? You like the ending? 
oh, uh, I like my kids. What are their names again? Blurface and who cares? <laughs> Jerry wants to buy an Israeli machine learning operation. Carl looks stunned, then looks over at Logan's office. Look at me. No, I am. Hi, I see you. Look at me. Look at me. Don't look at anybody else. Don't look at the fat ass losers or freaks. You look at me. Roman says the season three Roy family motto, action stations. <laughs> it's time to tickle Logan's balls. Logan hopes his acting CEO isn't getting too fucking acting. Frank wants to reboot Pinocchio, a puppet that comes to life. Logan, still disrespecting Jerry, doesn't want to wait for her to start. Roman asks Logan how his headspace is. Logan asks about the Israeli outfit. Carl denies, even though he just talked about it. Logan tells him to kill it right as Jerry walks in. Carl's getting yanked around. What are you, checking the chain of command? Mm, so awkward. Carl and Frank don't have much to work with in this episode, but they make the most of it, I thought. Oh, man. Logan asks about Kendall's article, what planting a flag means, and yells at Jerry for fucking hovering. Cold shoulder continues. Ruthless. That you could cut the tension in that room with a knife, man. Poor Jerry. Yeah, hate to see it. Tom says that Kendall is planning on coming in. That rat sets one foot inside this building. I'll punch him in the nose, okay? He wants to know what Kendall's planning and doesn't need him in his teeth. Shiv volunteers, mentions the journalism dinner. Every time Roman or Shiv say anything, the other one is looking at them dubiously. It's fantastic back and forth. Shiv asks how they should counter. Logan wants them to call Kendall out. Shiv brings up the town hall. Jerry likes it. Shiv volunteers to lead it if it's about change. Now who's planting a flag? Carolina and Hugo present some full-page responses from Waystar's version of Don Draper. From the geniuses that brought us, we hear for you. We now get, we get it. <laughs> I thought it was quite funky. Yeah, that's a weird way to phrase it. A bit like those ladies on the cruise ship got it. Mm. It's a little, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we get it already. Stop moaning about the rapes. Carrie interrupts. Agents on the phone. Are they willing to accept service? Tell them to fuck off. Another scene, nobody has any good ideas, right? Lots of criticism, but no ideas. Well, what the hell is the slogan supposed to be? <laughs> <laughs> well, how do you have a slogan around this disaster? I, I don't think you'd put a slogan on that. That's the thing. That's why it's funny, right? <laughs> yeah, that's what's so catastrophic about the concept. It's like, it's not like you go advertise against it. The full page ad with a letter is fine, but don't try to put a hook on it. I watched Mad Men over our hiatus here, so I have new appreciation for the amount of whiskey and cigarettes that went into that slogan. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Jerry says Logan's kidding. Shiv backs her and shoots daggers at her dad. When are they going to start playing ball? Everybody cooperates. Maybe. I don't do that dance. Jerry mentions the shareholder meeting. Two agents could show up to serve him, subpoena him to the grand jury. Fuck him. Tell him to fuck off. Cut to Greg's office. Tom barges in. FBI, hands up. <laughs> Great moment. Greg, of course, starts to raise his hands, then hitches, then puts his hands behind his head, acting cool. Things are looking bad with the investigation. And Tom drops two pills on his desk. Logan says we have to take these <laughs> cyanide pills, the whole team. It's a mint, you doofus. Take one. Your breath really does stink. I love Greg. The look on his face, the expression on his face. He actually believed him for a second, you know? Like, that's like the beauty of Greg, right? He's so frazzled. Like a puppy. He just reacts to everything so instinctively. 
Yeah, he's just living completely on edge right now. Gregory, my chief of staff, leggy princeling of ATN, takes him to a new office. It's full of garbage. I mean, it's not very nice. That's rude, rude boy. Greg thinks this is punishment for getting his own lawyer. No, no, no. It's part of a totally standard office rationalization. Do whatever you like. Hang out with Kendall. Take your own counsel. Even if he is a clown with a light-up bow tie. Greg is very happy with his lawyer. There are a million knives being sharpened right now. DOJ is going to be like a combine harvester in a wheat field of dicks. Tom's gone waystar, but he's getting an objective take on a situation and offers to fold Greg in. Make sure they see things the same way. It's just Ken. Fuck Ken. Yeah, fuck Ken. 100%. But what? He's giving me a watch tonight to say thanks. You sold your ass for a watch? I'll buy you a watch, dickwad. Just fucking come over. As Tom leaves, he tells Greg to stay. Like a good puppy. (laughs) Hugo and Carolina want Shiv, or someone like Shiv, to do an interview and share memories and feelings about Logan. Shiv looks at them in disbelief, thinks she's best placed neutralizing Kendall. Remember this moment? Shiv has this idea that she's going to stay clean right out the war and swoop in to clean everything up as the new face of Waystar. They turn to the someone like her, Roman, who begrudgingly agrees. I'll go out and say I love Dad. Why not? I do. So, you know, fuck you. Aw, look at you. Cutest cheerleader in high school. Is it true you let the track team finger bang you for lunch money? Stop projecting your memories onto me. Meanwhile, Kendall and the revolution are riding in the limo, pre-gaming before the black tie journalism event. Greg is checking out watches with the dude who carries them around in a briefcase and sells them. Is that what happens with rich people? They just I got was confused. Watch guys like this? Yeah, that's out of my tax bracket. Do you think he works for a jewelry store or something and he's just doing this because Kendall's a big deal? Like Tiso. <laughs> Comfrey is there, the assistant to Barry Schneider, the PR whiz that Kendall hired. And we didn't mention in the first episode, because I didn't realize this, that she's played by Dasha Nekrasova from the Red Scare podcast. Jake, have you ever heard of that? I've checked out Red Scare, yeah. I had no knowledge of them before I learned that for the White Lotus, Mm -hmm. Mike White had Sidney Sweeney and Brittany O'Grady listen to it as background for their extremely woke, borderline evil college student characters. So Eden, it's basically a woke, super leftist, Two young girls from the New York. It's a little anti-woke. I don't know if it can be described as woke. Have you checked it out? I've tried. I tried to listen to it, and I got yeah. pretty sick of it pretty fast. I'm not even sure what to make of it most of the time. I checked it out because they had Adam Curtis on, mm-hmm. and they've had some interesting people on, but they're very critical of woke culture, I thought. But isn't criticizing woke culture being extra woke, Jake? I don't know. I mean, I find it all pretty confusing, to be honest with you. I, yeah, you can't <laughs> like, keep up. I, yeah, it's not. It's, it's it's a little too ironic, I think, for me. I'm not sure where they stand or what they stand for or what their point is. It's a lot of talking about uh, mm. college texts and, and things that they've read and trying to parse it out in ways that critique contemporary things, and I just got bored. Eden, they have a massive following. Yeah. Just two girls talking about whatever's happening yeah and it's literally whatever's happening it's all over the map greg asked kendall for the green light the watch is very expensive he usually uses his phone for all his time needs (laughs) fuck it man you deserve it dude your phone is a widget a button Every janitor in America has one. Your watch is a Mona fucking Lisa. Then Kendall tells the watch guy to shut the fuck up. 
It's game time. The game is good tweet, bad tweet. Oh, shit. Okay, you crazy fuckers better have these ready when I call them out. Okay. And good tweet. Okay, allies uh, don't always come in the form we like, but what Kendall Roy did was important and brave. Boom. Boom! That's the hey, shit ball bomb. All right, all right, all right. Bad yeah. tweet. I got it. I got it. I got it. Bad Kendall tweet. Roy is Bad not a tweet. hero, fam. Uh, he's bootleg Ross with a daddy complex. Love it. Love it. Okay, 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 okay. Good tweet. Good tweet. Okay, keep him coming, Maybe motherfucker. It's good just because he's murking his shitty dad, but I kind of want to fuck Kendall Roy. Oh, oh. yeah. Okay. He clearly has mental health issues and right. crazy guilt coupled with addiction. That's all this is, and it's sad. Kendall is performing the social media masochism, perfectly embodying the obtuse fuck the haters mentality that's so prevalent in our society. But I sent you guys a picture of this because the faces on Kendall <laughs> on everyone's and face. Naomi during this sequence, just amazing. Just absolutely an incredible scene. It's funny. I thought like the way her face was lit up, it looked like she'd just done a ton of coke. We just keep waiting. We're just sitting here camping out. Just waiting for the shoe to drop. Popping bottles in the limo. You telling me you're not high? Exactly, dude. Right? Because here we got. In this episode, we're back to addict energy from Kendall, right? Big we're dealing with a lot energy. of impulsive behavior. So this whole scene, I, I was ex- half expecting them to be snorting lines off a little pocket mirror or something. And as soon as like that game came up, I mean, obviously he's leaning into all publicity is good publicity at this point because it put makes you part of the conversation, right? But when she started reading that quote and when we get to what happens in this episode and talk about signaling just absolutely devastating well the last one was the most true that's what i mean which is what was so ridiculous about it because we know him so well (laughs) there was no lies in that comment right the only reason he's embracing this attitude is because he has no other choice. Or is he just that delusional? It's interesting. He's walking this line because he's too in the comments, but he's also just treating it all as fuel, right? Mm-hmm. He's always been someone that always cared about what other people think. I've never gotten that from previous seasons. You know how Stu Gatz can just like not absorb negative comments? Like I feel like it's always gotten to him. Yes. Yeah, it's bluster. Right. It's a show. Yeah, and... He keeps trying to overturn things out of sheer will, right? Yeah. Because you see him fall. Right. His face falls when that comment, the whole energy just drops. Yeah. And then he starts the chant to will himself out of that moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like hanging on by a thread. Totally. Yes. They arrive at the CPWJ, Committee for the Protection and Welfare of Journalism, held at the New York Public Library. Ask Naomi if he should give the pap something and yells, fuck the patriarchy. Greg loves it. His AOC moment at the Met Gala. (laughs) (laughs) He sees Shiv, but Nate gets there first. Great to see you here. Nate mocks her attending because she likes to keep journalists protected in hutches. Correct? Little feeding bottles, kind of like hamsters. 
Shiv looks away, calls it adorable. They employ more journalists worldwide than any other company. Soviet Union employed a ton of journalists, too. <laughs> oh, Nate, we got to Stalin so fast. That was a funny line, though. Ken interrupts, daps up Nate. It's a family affair. Ken thought she'd be too busy. You're the newest attraction at the zoo, half man, half Nobel Prize. On that note, Nate makes his exit. Kendall asks if Logan is like an angry hog at the state fair, rolling in shit, snapping at kids. Shiv tries to find out if Ken is coming in. Tells him it's dumb. They need to win the shareholder vote. Just wait a week. Cool it on the interviews while you're at it. Not a suicide bomber, Shiv. Then he attempts to apologize (laughs) for the only your teats tirade. (laughs) I think I'm right. I am right. But maybe I threw a couple of ugly rocks. Okay, maybe their inability to apologize is genetic. (laughs) He's trying to be more thoughtful now. Shiv says they have the same aim. Big picture, pushing for change. Is there a world where they can reconcile and rebuild, fix things from the inside? Kendall looks very smug. Sees the play. They made you get all dressed up for this. Or do you actually not give a fuck? And it's all just ego. Look at this. It's you now. I'm sorry for you, Siobhan. And Kendall jogs right out of this conversation up to the stage to deliver a speech. Eden, what did you make of this moment here? Kendall showing a bit of recognition as he looks at Shiv now. Well, first of all, that was like the least flattering dress. (laughs) (laughs) That is one of my notes for this episode. I couldn't stop thinking about how that was just like not a flattering dress. And what was going on? She had that purse wedged in her arm, that tiny little purse. Yeah, I don't know what the stylists were thinking. Or maybe the stylists are genius because it didn't make her look great. And it was kind of an awkward moment for her. Mm. She's kind of had an awkward episode. But yeah, it was a weird interaction. She seemed very on edge, even though like Kendall is someone that she's supposed to be able to take on, right? Well, there's all of these half measures, right? She's going there to neutralize Kendall. That's the mission. Just like she was going to hire the lawyer and she was stopped dead in her track. There's no neutralizing Kendall. Kendall's on on a mission, right? And so the half measures that she's trying to employ aren't going to work. And as we'll find out, she's going to go all out eventually in this episode, but she has to be pushed to the brink to do so. (laughs) When Kendall's staring at her, it made me think that he was recognizing himself. Mm -hmm. He's very familiar with the position she's in now of being Logan's eyes and ears. The desperation. Yeah. Because they're all the same. Believing you're next in line, but really you're just a puppet. Mm -hmm. I think this is also the experience that everyone keeps saying Shiv doesn't have. Mm. This is what the show is illustrating in general is you've got a leader who's reluctant to step down. It would be a generous way to describe it. Seriously. Even when he has to step aside to allow things to proceed as as normally as possible, he, he regrets the decision he's made. And he's doing everything he can to undercut the woman he put in to serve as the CEO. <laughs> You'd think the kids would be like, yeah, maybe no fucking way. But they're all terrified of him. <laughs> maybe though. I'll wait till he dies or actually is retired, officially retired, and stop playing this game of will he, won't he? Because he does not want to. They just got sucked into the orbit, just like everybody else, though. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's like that ultimate. I get it most from Shiv right now. Mm -hmm. Craving daddy's approval Mm -hmm. vibes. 
And it's amazing too, right? Because Shiv essentially runs from the conversation when they're like, maybe you could say some nice things about your dad. She's like, nah, I don't think so. Reinforcing that I'm not getting out of the car to give him a hug vibe. And then Roman does it. And then later it's like, doesn't want to answer any of the questions. Because they don't have any memories. There's nothing to say. They don't have any good memories. It's so interesting how Logan has such a fucked up relationship with each of them. And they're all such different ways of being fucked up. Mm -hmm. Different nannies. Yeah. (laughs) Different ages, different nannies. Back at Waystar HQ, Roman is prepping for his interview. They'll go over South Asian streaming, the shareholder meeting. Everyone thought it'd be really kind of fun if we opened up the door and some family stuff. Roman Mimes puking wants to know precisely every single word he's going to be asked. The guy starts to say that ATN has ethical business policies. Roman just stares and then he reads the questions. (laughs) Special things he enjoys doing with Logan? No. Next question. The time Logan came to his aid? Nope. Not doing that one. (laughs) Didn't happen. Most cherished father-son memory? So far, these are bad. (laughs) Roman has a memory. Fly fishing in Montana. And the guy thanks him as Roman leaves. Back at Logan's house, Shiv sees Marsha still hammering out deal details with Carolina. Love and marriage. I feel another million drain with every cluck from that hen house. Logan shuts the doors, asks about Ken coming in. Shiv doesn't think it's going to happen. Logan's worried if Shiv even likes him. She won't comment in the press. My daughter. My only daughter. Wants her to declare that her old man isn't a dirty bastard. Tell the truth, maybe. About Kendall. Logan asks for trust. Yes, of course. Uh, on what? <laughs> on all this hullabaloo. Shiv is hesitant. Asked to talk. They sit down. What's the worst that could be in the papers? A few bad apples. Shiv knows that's not true. Tom worked in cruises. There's black ops. Targeted intimidation of victims and whistleblowers. Mentions NRPI, which is no real person involved. Maybe there were some salty moves. Shiv looks stunned. He can't just change his story. Logan wants to keep Shiv clean, put Jerry in, but he can't trust her. Well, maybe if you would fucking talk to her and stop being such an asshole, Logan. Yeah. You'd have a better relationship with Jerry here. Exactly. Logan's not nice to anybody because he's never had to be. He's turned up the dickishness to her. Yeah. Considerably. But that's also why I kind of felt like in this episode... He is just as far off the deep end as Kendall, as far as delusion goes. Yeah, no, he's just as unhinged in this episode, big time, because he can't exert control over anything. Yeah. He's trying to fuck off everything. Yeah, fuck off everything. Everything is fuck off. And you can't. You can't. These people don't work for you. The FBI doesn't report to you. That's moving forward. There's all of these things out of his control. Going back to that scene, we'll beast him. He's just trying to yell his way yeah. into <laughs> another, a better situation, and it can't be done. Sort of the same way that Kendall's trying to will himself through the negative aspects of what's happening. Because can't be done. Can't be done. He's just as delusional as Kendall Eden, except he's also an old man, so he's even more set in his ways. It's worked this far. Yeah, and he's like... This person that's historically been in a position of power. That's the fundamental difference. It's always worked before. So he's like never been in this situation where he literally has no control over anything because he used to always have control over everything. Like father, like son. 
Logan says he didn't know. He doesn't read his emails. <laughs> and then he unleashes a racist tirade that makes Shiv cringe. Shiv, the world is fucking rough. We ran a cruise line out of some tin pot ports registered in bongo fucking bongo oh. hovels, and we poured millions in it. Sure, did we play rough with the odd fucking union boss or some moaning mini repeat litigant? I don't know. It was a quarter of a century ago. A lot of it. So yes, I fought for you and your brothers, but you will not find a piece of paper that makes you ashamed of me, okay? Well, the government does have an unbelievable amount of leverage at its disposal, Dad. The law? Yeah, the law. The law is people, and people is politics. And I can handle the people. I mean, that was <laughs> that was a nice line for the times, wasn't it? Back to Kendall and the revolution. He's at the after party. Comfrey is checking out Greg's watch. It's heavy in her hand. I've always been self-conscious about my wrists, so it could address that. She says his wrists are normal. Watch guy needs payment. It's 40K. Greg thinks it's a gift. The watch guy yells at Ken. Oh, my God. Ken just said he'd hook him up. Greg <laughs> oh. is flabbergasted. What's that look? Don't get weird on me. I'm not your fucking sugar daddy, cheapskate. God, that was so awkward. Why do you do that to Greg? Why do you do that to our guy? Well, Greg is always misreading things, right? He's just so uncertain. He completely misread the situation. Because remember, we've only been presented the situation through his dialogue, not through Kendall. So we have no way to know what was originally stated. Well, no. What was originally stated was, I'm going to hook you up with a watch guy. He did that. Well, he hooked him up with the watch guy, not the watch. Yeah. Greg's the one who thinks that he's owed. Right. And that he's done something here. <laughs> I came to think of the publicist as kind of being like Greg's doppelganger. It's interesting to have her placed in the entourage here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, why is she? I guess it's important to have his publicist representation at events. And that's what this was. But she got a big role. And it's interesting that we haven't really met the main person barry schneider yeah but we're spending all this time with comfrey she's not gonna go make the rounds with them she's That's delegating yeah her subordinates job <laughs> what's her name comfrey 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 okay. you know one of those comfrey modern millennial names oh boy okay wow that's a okay <laughs> i wonder if they let her make up her name herself yeah. <laughs> <laughs> greg starts stammering Ken tells Naomi he's not buying Greg a fucking watch. What is he talking about? What the fuck? Greg wants to give it back, but it's got his patina now. I don't have any patina. I shower. <laughs> Kendall delightedly announces that Sophia Wobie did him again tonight at a pussy too. Comfrey looks concerned, wants to get him bullet points tomorrow. It looks like she tore me one. We gotta watch this. Hey guys, it looks like she tore me one. We should watch this. It'll be fun. Sophia Wobie is played by Z-Way, a writer for Jesus and Marrow that has her own show called Z-Way on Showtime, and she is perfect. She crushes this. So let's turn for a moment to Kendall Roy, my favorite white man, snitchy rich, or as you may know him, a jar of mayonnaise in a Prada suit. Ha, okay. Boy tweeted earlier today, we must overthrow okay, you the can culture laugh. of corruption that silences women. The fuck is he talking Amen. about? That's like your dog saying, hey, guys, 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 we have to punish whoever ate coffee grinds out of the trash and then shit on the sofa. <laughs> Hashtag sofa justice. <laughs> Actual That's progressives great. have been embracing this dude 
why? This is the guy who told Congress like a month ago that the investigation into his father was a witch hunt. And he's also the fail bro who once posed in this photo oh, flashing shit. gang signs outside of Jean Georges. Okay, that is such a yeah. reason you were being tongue in cheek. She See, fucking loves me. Kendall she Hart loves suffers me. from a severe case of what That's doctors crazy. call Caucasian rich brain. What happens is genetically inherited wealth and whiteness can cause neural pathways in the brain to constrict and make the patient believe he's woke when he's just a total fucking jackass. Kendall loves it. He wants to go on the show. Humphrey's worried about the backlash. Backlash? This is being in the conversation. This is fucking great. Back at Shiv and Tom's place, when Shiv gets home, Tom is white boy wasted. <laughs> oh, man, this is funny. White yeah. boy wasted. Mondale is eating some of your pantyhose, and I had to pull him out of his ass. I was dying at the dog's name, Mondale. Jake, please explain to our younger listeners who Walter Mondale was and oh why they would name their dog after him. <laughs> Wow. I mean, that's a that's a throwback. And I, I don't even know if I can remember the years like we're talking. He was Carter's vice president and then he ran against Bush and lost. Yes, that's what it was. I mean, we're going way back. This is the way back machine. This is before my time. I basically do not even know who this man is besides his name. I don't know who this man is. Well, the funny thing is, I would kind of think it's before Shiv's time. What type of legacy did he leave that would inspire Shiv to, to name her dog after him? Unless Tom did. Oh, oh, maybe you're right, because he is from Minnesota. Oh. Well, that could be it. So it might be, be a Tom thing because... Like a Midwestern vibe. Tom is from Minnesota. Yeah, I felt, to be honest with you, my instinct was that Tom named the dog, not Shiv. And Tom's probably the only one that cares about the dog. Not Shiv. Yeah, I can see that. She doesn't strike me as a dog person. I mean, Tom probably got it to like kind of maybe, you know, make it feel like more of a family marriage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Shiv, let's have kids. Nope. Tie her down. Okay. How about a dog? Fine. <laughs> yeah. You won't leave me because you also have to leave the dog. We'll name him after my state's greatest representative, Walter Mondale. She asks if he's okay. Mondale's not well. Mondale's unsettled. Tom's guy said a John Doe in his position would very likely be headed for jail. Shiv tells him it will be okay, and Tom asks for evidence. He's got a dumb idea. Get out in front of it. What's the benefit? Not cooperate with DOJ, but go to Logan and offer himself up as the beating post. Shiv says he can't. He's drunk. Then after a moment, tells him it's smart. A win from a no win. It's very likely no one goes to prison. Either way, you bank gold with Logan. The offer is kind of genius. Tom thinks he could be done in less than a year. Shiv notes that everyone is doing somersaults for Logan. Tom collapses into a hug and undoubtedly passes out drunk on that couch. Did you notice the turn Shiv took in that conversation, though? It was pretty scary because she went from being a supportive wife to playing it for her own advantage, playing it for the company. Yeah, you should turn yourself in, Tom. It's a good idea. You're a genius. Back to Kendall. He's in bed in the morning. Even more social media masochism. Watching the Sophia Wobie clip once again. Guys, she's tearing me one. On his TV, he's got Michelle Ann. The other side of Jerry's phone call in episode one. Appearing on ATN with Mark Ravenhead. The Nazi. Remember when he was a Nazi, you guys? Kendall gets inspired. Tells Jess he's going in now. Also calls Greg, which was dumb, because he might want to roll deep. 
wants to see the shockwaves. Back at Waystar HQ, Tom approaches Logan, who's watching the Michelle Lane interview. He volunteers his tribute. He'll step up and go down. Logan's surprised. I won't wriggle. Just clunk the trout on the head and put it in your pouch. <laughs> Another fly fishing reference? What's going on? Amazing analogy. Logan assures him it won't come to that, but thanks him. Tom excuses himself into an office, calls the number for a lawyer to consult with Rex Hendon. Suspicious activity from Tom here. What is going on? What is he up to? Because this gets dropped fast. Yeah. Seems that he's making a play of his own. He wasn't being fully honest about how his conversation with this person went with Shiv. Mm -hmm. But he gets interrupted by Greg, who's spilling the beans on Kendall. Logan greets Michelle Ann, who's surprised to see him. Pulls her aside for five. She calls him tough. He wouldn't take service. Logan's not going to respond to Kendall waving his dick in the air. But are you going to be more cooperative? It's a witch hunt. They'll regret the time and money spent. What's the old man think? Not fucking much. Ha 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 He's worried about poll numbers. At first, people thought Logan's going down. Then people thought, no way he's going down. The president will protect him. The system is broken. People have no idea. They have these paranoid fantasies. He wants nothing. Normal consideration. Not to become the focus of bullshit. Not favors. Michelle Ann keeps saying right and Logan mocks her. He doesn't want anything from anyone, but would like to know that no one shits their pants if he hangs tough. Facebook is full of photos of Logan and the president at CPAC and Davos. It hits a demographic they have to worry about. That raisin hangs me out to dry. I'm quite willing to do the same. <laughs> it's getting real. Maybe the president doesn't feel like your coverage has been very helpful or truthful lately. It could get a lot fucking worse. They have the same interests. She asks him to lower the temperature, and Tom comes a-knocking. Hugo and Carolina are presenting the questions and concerns submitted for the town hall to Shiv and Roman. General tenor is, what the hell is happening? Also, I'm embarrassed to tell my mother I work at Waystar. Any advice? Yeah, fuck your mother. Tell us anything at all. Shiv has her speech. Do they even need questions? Roman and Shiv start rejecting questions, going through flashcards. Only three left. Can we get different questions, like less questiony questions? Because these are just fucking horrible. Hugo and Carolina prepared scripted questions and hand them over. And then Logan summons them. Kendall's in the car. Lisa calls the Regal Legal Eagle. She can't believe he's going in. Can't let them dominate the battle space, Lisa. Asked about his immunity. She needs control, but Kendall thinks they're losing momentum. Can we get a raid? What about a raid? Can we get a raid? <laughs> we hit all the right buttons. Has the government gone softcock on Big Corp? Then he tells her she's the boss and hangs up on her. He wants to commit to a Wobi. Call Noah, get me some jokes. Not jokes like funny as fuck shit, but not in a stupid jokey way. Shiv can't believe that Kendall's coming in. Logan's gonna jam a Mont Blanc down his fucking throat. He wants Colin, threatens to cuff him, wants him fired. Jerry says HR is discussing him stepping down, firing him would hand DOJ a gas can. It'd be a PR disaster. Logan is furious. Ken walks in with Remy and Jess. Front desk meekly tries to stop him. His key card has expired. Hugo tries to intercept and take him to the satellite office. Remy is there to film Kendall hurtling the gates. What does this guy do? Carolina offers to swipe him in. There's a pissing contest, but she can authorize it. Jerry's on the phone with outside counsel. They can't keep him from the town hall, only discourage him. Can we discourage him with a taser shot directly to his peni or scrummage sack? Kendall's taking the freight elevator. Bring him up in the dumbwaiter like a fucking hamburger. <laughs> Kendall chats up some random worker for doing the heavy lifting. The guy has no idea who he is. Logan asks for Ratfucker Sam to handle IT. 
Kendall strolls right in, fist pumps, runs into Tom. Kind of weird, right? It's pretty weird. Jokes with Tom about back-channel White House contacts. Tom counters by asking about his immunity deal with DOJ. Workplace banter! Calls Tom the last eunuch in the Forbidden City, teases him with options. Roman commentates that he's trying to kiss or nibble Tom. And Shiv doesn't want the invasion of Normandy. Kendall's locked out of his computer, starts freaking out about the temperature and how cold it is. They argue what 62 or 65 or 69 is like. And then he airdrops Remy's <laughs> shopping list. Once again, what does this guy do? It's also kind of genius to keep this detail hidden. Yes. Instead of saying, hey, dude, go get me some speakers, bro. <laughs> 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 do you think it was the speakers i was trying to figure that out like yeah, definitely. it was the speakers you okay. see the boxes later in his office i gotta say i just love this episode i thought it was the best one of the season so far yeah same this remind me of the boar on the floor episode mm -hmm. which i think was also number three and it just like propelled things forward from that moment on this felt like that episode and the scene you're getting to, I think, is my favorite scene. Incredible stuff. Just unbelievable. Hunting was the third episode last year. You are correct. Nice. Yeah. So there's a thing about the third episode. Hitting the gas, baby. I felt like we really fucking took off here. I was just fucking loving it. It moved so quickly. And then when it got to this scene, I was just fucking dying. Colin walks in and menaces Kendall, whispers, I know you. Ooh. Colin is, of course, the guy who handled the murder. They're setting up the town hall. Shiv is worried Logan will undermine her authority. Live feed streaming to all offices globally. Hugo congratulates her, starts kissing ass. He was always pushing for her, blah, blah, blah. Shut up, Hugo. <laughs> what is your angle here, bro? Love that. I love that. Throwing oh, yeah. that stuff in there. And then the way they fade it out on it. It gets better. <laughs> Carolina welcomes her to the stage as domestic president. Keep it straightforward. A senior executive, also a senior brother of hers, has made serious allegations. So they take those allegations seriously. Say serious again. Much that they can't talk about. It's a family operation. They're all part of the family. She introduces herself, smiling, flipping her hair. She looks so happy up there, brings up corporate responsibility. I know some of you have concerns, and I'm here to tell you, we get it. <laughs> we here for you. Favorite detail is you see Hugo in the crowd, mouthing along with, we get it. Mouthing the words. Oh, so great. He did his part. As she starts to dive in, Rape Me by Nirvana starts playing <laughs> over the speakers. Such a cringe scene. I was rolling. If mistakes have been made historically at cruises, we are going to identify them and implement... Uh, what's more, uh, personal accountability is one of the four core pillars of the Waystar philosophy. Hugo? Yeah, yeah. We got that. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, some people might think this uh, issue was a joke, but we, I assure you, would take it very seriously. Just thank you. So, we are going to ensure that those who engaged in any actions that went beyond mere mistakes, the more purposeful, purposeful. We got that sorted? I assure you, we take this issue very seriously, even if someone here is not. This is just a masterful move by Kendall. Swept Shiv's legs right out from under her. Oh, devastating. Such a dick move, man. Crashed her tea party with 
just like a monster truck just bursting through the wall. So many little details. The panic look of the security yes. as they're running yeah. around. Yes. Like what happened? The discovery that it's playing on Bluetooth and it's not on the network. Just genius stuff. Poor Shiv. The way she just crumbles. And the song choice. And the song is so great. Is there possibly a better song to use for this that's the thing it's not just that they looked up a song with those words you no. know what i mean yeah. they actually found a classic tune that just sounds great and also that nirvana played and got in trouble early in their career on mtv because MTV was like, no, you can't play that song yeah. <laughs> on air. And they did anyway. Yeah, actually. <laughs> okay, Chalk went up for Ken. He got that move right. Wow, sure seems like he's got that number one boy winner position locked up, doesn't he, guys? Oh, wait, there's still 15 minutes left on the clock. <laughs> exactly. It's like when you score in football and you give the ball back to Tom Brady with less than two minutes left. You're fucked. Shiv goes up to Kendall's office and spits in his day planner. Yeah. Angry Shiv. And she goes into Logan's office. Sorry, Pinky. Now do you see? Kendall is arriving at Sophia Wobie's show in the green room. Wants to know what time it is. What time is it? Oh, it's like the 18th century or something when watches didn't work. Greg is pissed because his brand new $40,000 watch isn't working. Comfrey asks why he got it. He blames her. He says, you were talking me up. God. I'm just a humble custodian now. I'll need to send the watch back to Switzerland for six months. And she tells him that it probably just needs to be wound. <laughs> that was so funny. <laughs> I'm telling you, the two Gregs, it's like Rosencrantz <laughs> and Guildenstern. You know what I mean? Because we're not getting a lot of Tom and Greg this season. Nope. So they got to put him with somebody else mm. that's in that same comic space, right? It works. Ken is reviewing his cue cards with Naomi. One of his jokes is cover up RS like Toys R Us. Get it. They push the taping for him. Greg's in the background just shaking his wrist. And Kendall says he's jerking off his invisible friend. <laughs> and then Ken wants to see the writers. He knew a guy at the Lampoon who knows Dylan. Wants to pitch a couple of areas for the giggle bots. Then blows right past the assistant to look himself. <laughs> the look on her face. Oh, my God. So funny. At Shiv's house, Roman walks in. Connor's reading a statement. And Shiv puts out snacks. What? Is she hostessing? What's going on here? Roman just finished his interview waxing lyrical about murdering trout and singing sea shanties with Logan around the old marshmallow hole. Under his breath, Connor asked if he read it. Logan wanted them all on the talk show. Shiv talked him down. Thought it would be gauche. For the second time in as many episodes, the siblings have been brought together in an effort to destroy a family member. After saying she wanted to remain neutral in terms of Kendall, the Nirvana offense has set her off. You know when you write a really angry email to someone in the heat of the moment, and then if you're smart, you take a breath and look at it the next day and take it down a couple notches? Right, right. Before, yeah. Mm -hmm. Shiv's not doing that here. She's sending that email. She's hitting send. Roman calls it a rich brew. Formal response draws a line under it, very clearly saying they're not a part of Kendall's thing. You would have to say it's accurate. Yeah, accurate like Oswald is accurate. Mm. Shiv wants them to sign it tonight. Roman and Connor look at each other. It's kind of a greeting card from hell. It's a Times New Roman firing squad. Nice line. Roman calls it horrible. Shiv says it's verified. Yeah. Drug addict, serial liar, absentee father, history of his own problematic relationships with women. It would be out there forever. Well, you know, it's funny you say didn't hit send because... It's great the way they drag it out, right? I read a different tone into it when we were getting the details in that scene. 
versus what is actually articulated at the end. It's really smartly done in the end. They're hinting at it here, but the way that Roman and Connor are reacting, Mm -hmm. you know that it's bad. Bad, yeah, for them to have that much trepidation about supporting it. Yeah, I mean, basically the only thing they're not including is, oh, Andy killed somebody. Because they don't know. Right. (laughs) Right. They don't know. (laughs) Dad didn't tell them. You know, PGN pulls out that photo of me with a ponytail anytime they want to make me look untrustworthy. (laughs) Connor, one scene. Yeah. Nailed every line. As always. Kendall is on a mission. Won't stop till they take his legs out. More powerful if it comes from the three of them. That sounds familiar. Who used that pitch before? Roman doesn't believe that Logan is pushing this, isn't signing it. Makes him feel unwell. Ken taught him how to aim his pee-pee in the toilet. The fuck? That's not a reason, Roman. Then take me to reason court and fucking sue me. (laughs) That's such like Roman. Love this. So funny. But this was heartening because it mirrored his energy from the previous episode where that discomfort with committing to the assassination of character or position is just something he really can't get on board with. Consistency. They all exist in this space where they don't really want to hurt one another until something happens, right? So mm-hmm. no one's come for Roman yet. Right, exactly. This is Shiv's revenge. Shiv is responding to a direct attack across the face, and now this is her move. Shiv's going to Shiv Kendall at the end of this episode. Yeah, she is. <laughs> Hit him with her name, baby. We all have to do things we don't want to sometimes. Roman refuses, and Shiv turns to Connor. Well, I don't want to be a bitch, but my signature is valuable real estate, and I'm not giving it away for free okay what do you want i would like some consideration i would like some suck suck on my dicky dick oh my god same kind of a roman line (laughs) yeah that's why he's so quick to agree i'm feeling brutally unsuck sucked right now your babies she takes their name off and will plow forward on her own does anyone find it uncomfortable that they're talking to their sister this way very i found it very (laughs) uncomfortable it's deeply troubling isn't it you got logan telling roman to suck his dick (laughs) yeah it just makes the rounds at the dinner table it's so awkward oh it's so uncomfortable back at waystar tom is hosting an advertiser's dinner for atn Whatever's happening up in the clouds with the gods play a little rough and tumble. Down here, it is very much business as usual. Kendall finds the writers. Geniuses at work. Clickety-clack, clickety-clack. Tries to talk to Dylan, says he's heard he's a super funny dude. Awesome work. Very smart. Very satirical. Just wriggles the fuck out of Oedipus here. I can take it. Comfrey runs up. Hurt me. Fucking hurt me. <laughs> Comfrey shows him Shiv's letter. Nervous Kendall comes bubbling up, says it's nothing. Comfrey disagrees. The whole world is seeing it, not just them. Ken wants to ask them not to use it tonight. That was a funny line. Probably mention it, but it's private. Yeah, but it's not private. Should he still go on? Ken tries to talk to a producer, tell him to steer away from it. Might be weird if they don't mention it. Says he might possibly have to bow out. They tape in 15 minutes. Oh, I'd I'd help with that, obviously. I, I know people. What, you're going to call Jay-Z? A name. Yes, I can do that. Producer tells him it's comedy. They have fun. Sophie's tough, but fair. He's their guest. Kendall says yes. Then slowly walks away as a frozen fake smile turns into real concern, and he wanders into a server room, hiding like a little boy. Back at Waystar, Logan sees Roman going to chat with Jerry late night and intercepts him. Roman yada yadas. Fuck it, it's murder. He apologizes for not signing the letter. 
Logan calls him a smart little fucking cookie for keeping his nose out. Mocks him for the interview. Yeah, oh, I love my daddy. He... <laughs> I never figured you for a fact. No. Wow. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I know. Yeah. Oh, God. Ice cold. So cringe. Logan doesn't remember the fishing because it was Connor. You know, single, multi-use, happy childhood memory. <laughs> oh, that was a great line. Just like the heartfelt outpouring of thoroughly lawyered emotion. Roman's got some <laughs> fantastic ones in the chamber yeah. this year. <laughs> He's been killing. Kendall is cowering in the server room as the show must go on. Kendall ghosted Sophia Wobie. She's heartbroken because she had so many nicknames for him. Woke star Royco. Then a dickhead Arnold. Paranoid Kendroid. Nothing could be as brutal as the letter from Shiv. I am deeply concerned for the well-being of my brother. Our entire family has supported him through his many attempts at rehabilitation for his multiple addictions. But the events of the last days have made it clear that our hopes for his recovery were misplaced. I've now been a direct witness to his misogynistic rants and comparisons to world historical figures that were suggestive of grandiose and disordered thinking. And I would ask that people give my brother privacy and consideration during this difficult time. And that's from his sister. And she's the fucking nice one. There's a close up on Kendall's face and he's kind of looking like Gollum. Big eyes. And yeah. Turned into a shell of a man. I just kept thinking, how did he not anticipate this? Yeah, after pulling that stunt, he must have known that she was going to strike back. Not just her, but them collectively. He knows how ruthless his father is. I honestly think it's the Shiv element Oh, that packs the punch. Yeah, okay. As we've talked about, he has been trying to create this buffer for himself to be invulnerable to all yeah, you're right. comments and criticisms but shiv that's the extra element we'll get to it in a minute but i think shiv made a mistake doing this i think it was a bad move for her oh really okay i'll be interested to hear about that i don't think he was expecting it from her is the main point of that that makes sense makes it especially devastating sophie reads the entire letter and it's a lot more bracing than the comments we got from the scene with roman and connor it's brutal because it's so convincing it's like she said it's all verified this is all true. And it's stuff we've been talking about since the first episode. <laughs> he looks unhinged. He's behaving impulsively. He's putting his addict energy out on full display. The added element of bringing in the comments that he literally just made mm -hmm. at the end of episode two and airing those out to the world. <laughs> the idea that he's comparing himself to Alexander the Great and that makes him delusional. It's fantastic. Back at Waystar, Jerry comes in. The FBI are downstairs. Tell them to fuck off. Yeah, these are the ones that don't fuck off. <laughs> Search warrant. They're at the gates. Jerry thinks him talking to Michelle Ann spooks the DAG. Logan blames her. She's got no fucking acumen. Well, I guess the government isn't a fucking Pez dispenser. You don't push a button and something pops out the other end. Ask them to come back tomorrow. They'll kick down the door. They'll bust out the crowbar. Finally starts listening to Jerry in this scene. After a long, dramatic sign pause, Logan agrees to cooperate. Get the special committee, shift the legals, we're cooperating. Tom gives a speech about loyal viewers. Oh my god. We will survive this whole episode because of our strength. Because of our depth of talent and because of our values. Our true va- What's that? What's that, Hugo? <laughs> Don't want to spoil the evening, but the FBI is raiding the premises. <laughs> 
So if you see them, that's what that is. That's what that is. I like Gala hosting Tom. It's hilarious. Dude, I love Tom doing the ad sales meeting. He's kind of good at it. Oh, it was great. I mean, that's such a corporate thing, dealing with the ad sales people. It's like your outside sales, your clients. I mean, it was fantastic. Logan is slumped over the rail in his office like Jimmy Butler. <laughs> Shiv watching on TV in disbelief. The FBI is pouring into the building and Kendall is still in the server room watching on his phone. Credits. Doozy. What an episode. Don't forget the smile. Cracked a smile. I guess that is a smile, right? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Everything went up. Like you said, he was riding sky high. Then he was completely decimated. To the point where, like you say, he's cowering in the surfer room in the dark, like like a little boy with his knees up. And then there's this little moment of luck, right? But he will probably mistake it for having somehow affected it. Well, that's what I wonder. Give himself some credit. He was asking for a raid earlier. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if Lisa came through on this. We don't know because we don't talk to her because she's just an employee. My expectation is it's by chance. I think it's more the Michelle Ann thing mm-hmm. because that was unanticipated and that got pretty heated. Mm-hmm. That spooked her. She talked to somebody that trickled down and it's the DAG mm-hmm. that we were told to worry about in the first episode mm-hmm. that's making the move here. Because what's funny, another key detail in this episode was there's been no movement on his immunity deal. He does not have immunity. Right. And that was also a great conversation between he and Tom when they were throwing things like that at each other. (laughs) And given the way things are going and how everybody wants to be in control, but really thus far hasn't actually exerted any control over a situation. In fact, they're completely severed from control in most scenes, I'm anticipating that this will have nothing to do in a positive way with Logan and that he'll actually be in danger now too. In danger of what? Being dragged into it and prosecuted. Subpoenaed. Not given immunity. We got too much on you. We don't need to give you immunity. It kind of feels like, to me, it's less interesting what happens with Logan than like what's going to happen between the kids. Because you feel like he's doomed one way or the other? Yeah, I kind of see him. It's like the end of the line for him. There's not really a play. And of course, maybe we'll be surprised. But I just feel like the setup of the season so far is... Something big is going to happen with like one of the kids. They're going to actually stand up to Logan for once to his face. One of them. I think that's what I'm looking forward to seeing happen instead of like caring about what happens to Logan. I feel like Logan's going to come out relatively unscathed at the end because somebody will take the fall. It's not like Rupert Murdoch suffered for the Roger Ailes accusations all those years ago at Fox News, you know? We're seeing inside, right? But the external picture, the only external picture we're really getting is people talking about it and then, you know, the Oedipusy story. So it's Mm -hmm. all the negative stuff we're hearing that's happening externally is mostly about Kendall. We're not really getting a dramatic sense of the public perception of Waystar in this moment. It's because Kendall's tweeting and Logan's not. Right. That's true. And that's why I thought 
as a PR stint, that's super calculating. That's measured, it's direct, and it's effective. It's everything Kendall is not. You know, Kendall thinks the good messaging is fuck the patriarchy, mm-hmm. whatever that means. Logan really thinks that he can just tell him to fuck off, beast his way through this. Yes. And he's not necessarily wrong. That's exactly. He's not right. It's like he wants to postpone the inevitable. Come back tomorrow so I can think about it tonight and we can hash out a plan, but that's not going to happen. But at the end of the day, even an investigation and a raid doesn't mean prosecution at the highest levels of the corporation. While it doesn't mean that anything's actually going to happen to him, it also doesn't not mean that, though, because like, just like we saw at the end of this episode, he's finally not just saying fuck off for once. He's realizing that like, oh, shit, like I actually have to face the music at some point. We don't know what the music is or how severe the music is, but like he's already being forced out of doing what he wants to do, which is like you said, Jake, fuck off, give me the night to sleep on it and come up with a plan. He doesn't get that anymore. He only has to pivot from his preferred route. He does. That doesn't necessarily mean he has to cave and plead guilty. He's already set up his defense, which is it wasn't me, right? It was all the creeps he had on in his employee and he said emails. it pretty explicitly i don't read emails i love that and it's true probably he said the same thing to shiv when she sent him the memo mm-hmm. he's like oh, I, don't, I don't read emails you know how many emails i got i liked you bringing up what the public perceives and i thought that the conversation with michelle ann was super interesting about that mm-hmm. when she says that the perception is is that the world already thinks that the president is going to back Logan. Mm -hmm. And that's what they don't want. (laughs) That even though we know from private conversations that they're being really hesitant, the public already thinks, oh, the system's fucked. (laughs) Yeah. Another rich guy is going to get bailed out by the president, blah, blah, blah. And that is what the real world is like. Right, right. So I like that connection a lot. And the show... This whole time is kind of played to the real world. It's a parallel world. Yeah, but in the real world, the CEO always has to step down. When? When? No, it's no. It, that's no. That's not true. I don't think. I, I mean, other than Enron, it's seldom that the CEO has to step down because of a scandal. I don't know. I mean, someone always gets fired. CEO's not going to jail. That's what's not happening. Bro, never. No, never. Ever. No. No, they always find somebody to take the fall. They always find a Whamsgans. Yeah. Yeah. There's always one volunteer. (laughs) Your mention of that super short scene, which we don't get many super short scenes in this show of Tom dropping back and, and making a call to set up this notion of him trying to protect himself was interesting. You know, because they're all schemers, right? And they always want to have as ill-prepared as all of them always seem to be, they're always trying to create two paths. They always have something up their sleeve, like a plan B in case whatever they decide to witch their wagon to doesn't. Like that's all they seem to know. (laughs) Yeah, right. Okay, I've I've created this option, but now I need to create another option just because I never fucking know what anybody's really thinking. So that takes us to the awards for this week. In unprecedented fashion, Kendall... Wait, 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 wait. Maze, you said earlier... Oh, I'm going to talk about it. Oh, okay. Okay, okay, okay. 
Yeah, we didn't finish getting your take, mm. I feel. It's coming. It's coming for okay, you. Okay, 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 okay. Because I'm... All right, all right. All right, all right, all right. Sorry, 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 sorry. You're just being a great, great co-host, a great assistant <laughs> producer here. No takes left uncovered. Forgot you're a pro, okay? <laughs> In unprecedented fashion... Kendall did both in this episode, which is very confusing in terms of awards. He's the number one boy. He pulled the Nirvana offense, but then he shit the bed at the same time. He ghosts Sophia Wobie. He doesn't go on her show. He gets absolutely crushed for it. Well, okay, but was that really a bad decision? Yes. Because it was already a bad decision to be going on the show. Fair point. But he already made the decision, though. But saying you were going to go and then not going compounded it not showing up that is so humiliating i wasn't sure that was actually not the worst outcome for him because i mean god only knows what stupid shit he would have said on the show to make it worse great point but he still loses because shiv released this letter oh i'm okay with him losing it's not that i was just debating the point of whether he did by accident make the right decision to ghost the show. Yeah. That would have been live and available for anybody to watch for all time. What do you mean, Jake? He would have had a audience for his TED Talk finally. Exactly. Not a good idea. Imagine how many buzzwords (laughs) he could have got off on this show. I know. Wasted opportunity. I mean, frankly, I'm thinking the the PR team is like, thank God. (laughs) That didn't happen. I'd rather have her make because he's going to make fun of him anyway. Yep. But if he goes on the show, he's sticking to his I don't care about the haters like shtick. Teflon, baby. That he hasn't been pulling off all that well, but he would have at least had an ounce of conviction that he was going to like try to stick with it. Dude, did you see him talking to the writers? (laughs) And he didn't. He's such a little bitch. To me, that would have been on display in a way that would have made things even worse. Possibly. I had no faith in him yeah. <laughs> doing any good things in that appearance. Ha! Ah! So as you can see, the mystery of who pooped the bed has been solved. Other contenders for shitting the bed. Logan, by talking to Michelle Ann, stirring the pot, inciting the raid. And being as confrontational and aggressive as he was. He didn't want to talk to the babysitter two episodes ago, but now he's desperate. And his desperation is showing. It shows by him saying he doesn't want anything. And every time he reiterates that. It's like with Marsha. He's not even trying to engender any goodwill in these relationships. He's like, I can't eat shit right now. Just fucking help me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then he's like, I, all I can hear is the millions disappearing with every cluck from then. I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Say that a little louder. And then finally, Shiv. She got nirvana and then she wrote an angry email and she hit send without giving herself some time to cool off. And my thinking as for why she's really the loser is because she had this plan to stay clean, to be the good one, to come in and clean up the mess that is Waystar Royco, be the new face, put the veneer on it, change the values. And that's what that town hall meeting was all about, was getting that started. It got ruined. And then she made it worse by publicly trashing her brother. Things that Roman and Connor were afraid to say. Things that Logan barely had to nudge her in the right direction to say when she was that angry. And like Roman says, these are out there forever. This isn't going away. She's made an enemy of Kendall in the long run now. Which 
is not going to work out for her, I don't think. Did Logan strategize that response with her in the office after that scene where he says, I'm sorry, Pinky? It's so interesting that we don't see it. Mm-hmm. That is a really interesting choice. Roman is dubious. And when he goes to talk to Logan, mm-hmm. he asks about it and Logan kind of shrugs it off. It's kind of like the donuts, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Logan and Shiv had a conversation, but Shiv wrote the letter. That's like Logan's move. She said that he wanted to have them on TV and she talked him down. But she talked him into her idea, which was this letter, which she then wrote. I think he didn't have to do much. Her anger carried her through on that one. Okay, so I kind of agree. But also, like, what was she supposed to do, though? Not retaliate? That's the thing. After that giant public humiliation? Probably, because it was just an embarrassing town hall meeting. Move on. But it wasn't a public town hall meeting, right? right? It was within the company. If that really happened at, like, a Viacom or Fox situation, it probably would leak out in the gossip columns on some But level. it wouldn't reflect on her. It might not be big news. It wouldn't necessarily have to reflect on her. The reason that she's upset isn't because it would have gotten leaked or whatever. It's because it ruined her big moment. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, though. That's why she should be mad. But the world doesn't care about her moment as much as she does. No, it's meaningless. Why should she extend the same consideration that Kendall clearly didn't have for her to him? This is my point exactly, is that in terms of being a power move... To neutralize the rogue that Kendall's become in this scenario, it's a pretty devastating and effective blow in terms of a messaging to the shareholders, to the public that's following this in the business trades. Keep in mind that the whole episode began with this feature piece in, you know, something like a Forbes or some publication of that nature that's getting a pretty wide readership. So he's out on the attack. So it only stands to reason that they were going to come back with something to say, this guy's got nothing to do with us. Please give him some (laughs) space. Yep. In this tough time, privacy and consideration. Yeah. I read it as like, it's a pretty genius move. Yeah. I didn't hate the move. I thought in the moment they were talking about it, the three of them, I thought it was going to be more viciously delivered. And less couched in this mental health crisis language. The way in which she did it. The delivery, yeah. I thought was really powerful. Clever in a way, yeah. Yeah, and and it didn't make them look mean. Yeah, it was like sympathetic. Exactly. Faux concern. We're worried about our brother. So that aspect of it turned it around for me and made me think it was a good move on her part. I don't have the same feeling about the don't hit send that you do. And I thought she might have even revised it into that scenario when it initially what Roman was reading might have been a different draft. It's possible. I think Shiv and Kendall both won and lost in this episode. It was interesting. Yeah. They're all losing. Right. Yep. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're all losing hard right now. But that's what I mean. They're all losing to Logan. I feel like I'm interested in seeing which one's actually going to like have the balls to like stand up to Logan because we like still haven't seen that. Right. We still haven't seen it. And as close as we've gotten is Kendall. See how that turned out. All right, Eden. So who's your loser? Ken. In that, I actually felt bad for him in that final 
scene. I rarely have pity for any of these people, but I actually kind of felt for him. All right, Jake. I'm going to go with Logan this episode because mm. everything good, good. is yeah. collapsing. He's the most vulnerable at the moment because at least Ken got the uptick at the end. Shiv got her revenge and accomplished something in the end. Roman really wasn't at stake in this episode in that way. Connor's too slight. Jerry's too slight in this episode. And Logan, he's even more unhinged in this episode yeah, I agree. than he was in the first episode. So I got to go with Logan here. I'll go with you, Jake, because I agree. I think Kendall had some wins. So Logan. Even if it's just luck, he ended on a positive note. I will say Shiv's move, the part I didn't like about it was her trying to get Roman and Connor on board. I think that was kind of tacky. It's clearly like a her versus Kendall thing. So I thought it was a little bit underhanded, even though there's no rules, obviously. No pride, no shame, whatever. It, it's war. I didn't like that part. Talk about the signaling. You brought up the guy coming into his face saying, I know you. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, man, Kendall looked disturbed. Oh, yeah. Okay, they're basically willing to threaten violence on you. What was the, the line on the call? Discourage him? You can discourage him <laughs> from attending the town hall. They got mafioso on his ass. That's why I said it's hard to believe, especially after that message, that he wasn't anticipating something really dramatic. Right. He hadn't even yet performed the rape me stunt. <laughs> so, who is our number one boy who won the episode? You're my number one boy. Man, did anyone win did this Did anybody episode? win? Kendall kind of won, but he also lost. So, my only real number one boy is Sophia Wobie in her show. Uh, a pussy. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. That's cheating. <laughs> I was going to say we're the winners for getting a good episode, but I thought, felt like that was cheating, too. Hey, you know, we could have given Greg the loss. He did have to pay $40,000 for a broken watch. Did the watch guy win for selling Greg a broken watch? I mean, if you're going to do, yeah, if you're going to say somebody won, you might have to give it to that It was dude. Comfrey. Comfrey is the winner. Comfrey. <laughs> she secured herself some more work going forward. I mean, if we got to give it to a main character. I mean, we don't. <laughs> Might have to give it to Ken. No. If it's episode by episode. If it's really right? coming down to the FBI raiding Waystar. Mm -hmm. That's true. That's everything That's he wanted. True. Ken won. That's true. Yeah, I mean, okay. it's articulated yeah. in the middle of the episode and it happens. So I kind of got to give him the win on that. Yeah, but he's totally crushed. And Jake's argument that he actually did himself a favor by not going on the show is pretty valid so that could be considered a yes, win too i guess i'm sticking by that all he lost was his dignity yeah his soul is just totally crushed <laughs> right now that's all he has no dignity that's the thing he's got nothing to lose he walks into that writer's room like a total douche <laughs> hey bro i heard you were funny bro <laughs> it was the same speech he gave to the pr team I want my tweets to be off the hook. Cool tweets. That is the straight leg Chino way of saying it. And that is going <laughs> to do it for us on this week. It's queued up. Catch up with you next time as we start to fold in Adrian Brody and the shareholder meeting looms. 